when you get to that edge of your skills and there's that gap there, the gap shows up as like a voice in our head. Like we're not, at least for me, you know, it's, it's some sort of like imposter syndrome. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough, blah, 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 blah. I'm Bill Small. And I'm Miles Hansen. Welcome to The Subtle Art of Not Yelling, a weekly podcast for creatives about the creative process. Learn how to finish what you start, ship your work, and build a business without being the loudest on the block. Less noise, noise more. Our guest today loves stories that feature grace and redemption, ask questions without necessarily answering them, and point towards possibility. Join us for a conversation with writer Abigail Morrison. Hi. How's your day been? Oh, it's been good. Yeah, I uh, got done with work just a little bit early, so that was nice. Lots of big projects, learning lots of new stuff. So yeah, looking forward to this. So, What are you doing at work? Uh, we're doing a website redesign project, and so they're like, do you want to learn how to project manage? And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is not like a super customer-facing thing. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> so, Love no, it. it's good. I'm glad that they believe in me to do it and have given me a lot of latitude to learn and trial by fire a little bit, but so far, just a nice toasty flame and not too <laughs> painful yet, so. Cool. Well, this is Bill. Hi, Bill. Nice to meet you. Hi. You too. (laughs) I hear that you've been um, allowing Miles to pollute your inbox for quite a long time. I mean, I don't think it's quite a long time or polluting. (laughs) I actually really enjoy it. I'm learning a lot about how to better handle my newsletter. (laughs) So that's been good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He does a good job. Guy does good work. Thank you. I agree. I don't always Both agree, of you do. but thanks. <laughs> so Abby, I was just talking before this to Bill and and how you how we connected um, through the interwebs and through LinkedIn and you know, you've listened to our podcast a little bit and I kind of just wanted to keep you a blank slate and just ask like what is your world? What do you I know kind of what you do and, and you write but I want to know a little bit more about you. So like, what's, what's your world look like? Ooh, um, well, I live in a very nerdy world. <laughs> so uh, I work for, uh, my day job is working with scientific societies um, across various fields related to agronomy, which I kind of somewhat fell into um, when I was trying to get a job related to publishing because my job title has publications in the title. <laughs> so that was very fortunate for me. I was kind of trying to like just get anywhere closer to the industry. So it's very different. Academic publishing is a completely different ballgame, but it's been fun. I get to help authors all the time. So that's nice. I am a huge nerd. I love video games, anime, writing, Reading, obviously, is a, is a big part of that, uh, as we've been chatting via email about. Um, love Jesus. He's a big part part of all this whole whole thing. That's my life. Um, but yeah, new, new author. It took me a really long time to do it. Um, and I'm glad that I finally did. <laughs> yeah, me too. Yeah. So 
let's unpack that a little bit. So you mm-hmm. finally did it. Mm-hmm. Let's back up a little bit and you know you you unpack that process for us a little bit about wanting to write. What do you write? What does your practice look like? And then how did you get to this point where you have published and you can call yourself a writer? Like what has that journey looked like? Yeah, for sure. I mean, you can call yourself a writer as long as you write. So you don't have to publish to do that. Um, But I, so writing has been something that I've always had. um, Even since like third grade, I think I wrote a story about a snow day or something. And the teacher was like, you did a good job. And I was like, yes, I received that. I will take that (laughs) on for my identity for a very long time. Uh, so I've always wanted to do that. There was like a brief stint in middle school where I was really into alias and I was like, I could be a CIA agent. And then I was like, absolutely not. So then I was back to writing. Um, but, and like, I was super prideful about it was the problem because I grew up in a small town. So it was very much kind of big fish in a little pond, or at least an inflated sense of selfish in a little pond. And so I was like, I don't need anybody to tell me how to do my gift. I know what I'm doing. And so I was just completely unteachable. It was terrible. Uh, my poor mom, she would like give me the nicest criticism. And I'd be like, you just don't get it. I was, I, was the, I was the worst. It was really, really bad. So, but anyway, I, so when I graduated, I was like, I'm just going to get a degree in uh, kind of web stuff so I can have a little just so I can have a little job before I'm like JK Rowling level famous, you know, just that's like the level of prideful I had for like making important college decisions. Uh, And then I learned that I didn't know what I was doing over like a slow humbling process of like eight years. (laughs) It was a long time I was working on this book and I just, I refused to learn from other people. And some of that I think comes from particularly in writing, I think writers are afraid to, that they're gonna just look the same as everybody else. They're very, screenwriters are like, cookie cutter, give it to me. I'm all about it. But I feel like novelists are more like, please don't tell me how to tell my story because I know what I'm doing. And you just like, I don't want to look like everybody else. And so they just don't study basic story structure which was my case. So I had a book that wasn't working and I had no idea why. And I was focusing on the wrong things all the time. I was consistently looking at line level edits or a scene when really just the whole story spine was not functional. At the same time, I was going through a lot of just spiritual growth of like, what does God want me to do as a writer? What should I be writing? What should I be pursuing? And I was very comfortable in my life. Uh, I worked retail while I was writing and I was, I didn't have to worry about money for the most part. And it was just very comfortable for me. So in 2016, I was like, I just need to get out of my zone. I need to dive a little deeper. So I moved to London for five months to do kind of this deep dive Um, It's called the Discipleship Training School, but ultimately it's kind of training missionaries. And then I was like, not a missionary. (laughs) Love love Jesus, but that is not my vocation. That is not my calling. So I got back from that and I was so miserable because everything that I was good at was completely useless there. It was like a double track dancing, writing school thing. And they're like, oh, we don't do that kind of dance. We do shorter writing, like 
everything I was good at. I got really sick because I was really stressed out all the time. So I got back, was like, that was not for me. And I just had this really um, resurgence of passion for the people that I do feel called to serve, which is nerds. That's like, God put me on this planet. Love nerds. That's my job, (laughs) which is great. So, and I just had this resurgence of like, this is amazing. This is what I want. This is the people that I love so deeply. This is what I'm passionate about. I love fantasy. I love sci-fi. That's what I want to write. And I was like, okay, but I don't know what I'm doing still. So I had written a few other things. Um, I'd written mm, five books at that point, but I'd really worked on one for a really long time. And I was just, I was way too close to it at that point. Eight years in, you're, you're too close. It's like, I'm going to take this other one that I'm less emotionally invested in. I'm going to just be much more willing to tear it apart. I'm going to learn. I'm going to take classes on how to plot. I'm going to figure it out. I found StoryGrid, which is a really helpful system that just gave me the language for pinpointing things that I had always instinctively been like, this isn't working, but I don't know why. And StoryGrid really helped me to put language to that to help me debug my story. And then I worked my butt off, got a lot better with my habits and making sure that the work I was doing was effective, set some deadlines, told a bunch of people about it. So I would look like an idiot if I didn't do it. And uh, yeah, then Yoknizai came out last August as a result of all that. So that was my extremely long answer to that question. Not that long, actually. (laughs) That was great. And wow. Uh, First of all, congratulations on the book. And uh, and I love the cover. Thank you. There's a lot in there that I want to unpack. Um, Yeah, please. First of all, I love you said uh, debug, debug your book. Mm -hmm. I love that you took on the challenge of like, okay, clearly something's not working. I need to get better at this. I need to work on my skills. I need to go learn some stuff. And if I want to do this, I really have to master some of these nuances. Um, I, I love that. I love hearing that because we have that internal voice of when you get to that edge of your skills and there's that gap there, the gap shows up as like a voice in our head. Like we're not, at least for me, you know, it's, it's some sort of like imposter syndrome. You're not good enough. You're not smart enough, blah, 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 blah. And the, the bridge to overcome the gap is to step into that and learn it and do it really to do it. Um, so that's really cool. And then you also said that you started giving yourself, yourself like a deadline and you told people, so bringing in the accountability, something bigger than you, and actually giving yourself really like a box, kind of like what Bill and I talk mm-hmm. about, structure to hold it. Um, so I'm kind of just observing some of what you said and and really appreciate you sharing that story. It sounds like, was it, what would you say was the hardest part? Ooh. Um, up, to this, up to today. Yeah, I mean, I think the humbling process that had to take place inside of me to be able to admit that I needed the the help and just getting to that point where I was like, this is what I want to do. I am a very, I learn to avoid failure by watching other people fail a lot. So I tend to be very like, I'm going to wait. I'm not going to do something mm. until I'm ready to do it. 
And as a result, I find I am sometimes easily blown by the needs and just convenience of other people's lives and fitting into that. So really having to be like, this is what I want and this is what I feel is is right for me, both like just because I want to, but also like there's this moral element of me of that's like, that's my duty to do this <laughs> while I'm on this planet. Clearly the, the pride thing is still still an issue, but... <laughs> But I think um, as part of that, then being willing to take take the steps, including like aggressively defending my time and being like, this is writing time and I'm not coming to your potluck. I'm not hanging out. I can't do it. We have to reschedule. Um, so I think a lot of it has been more so the internal stuff. And then just on the writing side, I think the plotting is like a weakness for me that is difficult for me to unlock. Although pro tip, if you push yourself a hundred percent through a project, instead of doing 80% projects, like I did for a long time, you have to confront those things and then you learn. So I've gotten better at that. Um, but yeah, I would, I would say like plotting was difficult and yeah, eh, that's probably the hardest thing for me was, was the plotting as far as the actual book. <laughs> you know, it's, it's funny, Abby, it almost sounds like, at least in the in the realm of writing, and maybe there's other places in life where it was like this for you too, but it's almost, it sounds like you managed to shift yourself from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset. Like you were, you started out really fixed, like, no, I know. And then at some point you realize, no, you know, I don't know. And my job is to learn. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because... <laughs> I think the trigger for me, this is kind of embarrassing, is so my life is like very stable. And so when people are like, oh, what's new? I'm like, literally nothing. <laughs> I'm still at my same job, still writing. But my like 10 year high school anniversary was coming up. And I was like, oh my God, if I go to that, I'm going to have people that are going to be like, hey, did you ever like write a book? And I'll be like, no, I've just sat here for 10 years working on one and doing nothing. And I was so, I like embarrassed myself into being like, all right, what am I doing? Because it was like, I'm spending multiple evenings per week working on this thing, telling people I'm working on it all the time and I have nothing to show for it. And at a certain point, it's like, if you're not going to do it, then why are you wasting all the time? And I was definitely wasting a lot of time. So I was like, look, you either got to get it out of your system, prove to yourself you can do it. Because at that point, my self-esteem was unhealthily low of just eight years of struggle and just feeling like, can I not do this? Am I not good enough? And then I was like, you are, you just need to learn. <laughs> okay. So that's what I did. You mentioned one of the things that you came to is creating uh, habits for yourself. And we've been talking about this a lot because, um, you know, consistency is really easy in some areas, really hard in others. Most people I know, even writers who already have a book, writers who are in the middle of a book, writers who are writing a book and writing other stuff, whether they're making money as a writer or not, Developing a consistent writing practice seems to be challenging for just about everybody. Uh, how did that go for you and what does it look like now? Yeah, that's a great question. So I think one of the biggest things 
for me, and I try to tell other writers, is defending your time is really important. I think creatives a lot of the time feel very, like, icky about being like, no, I can't do this thing with you because I need to work on my practice or I would would rather sit in my room by myself at a keyboard than spend valuable time with family and friends. And that's not, you know, that's not really what it is, but I think people feel like icky about it. So my recommendation to people is like, figure out why it's important and just have conversations with people about why this is important for you to be able to do it. And I know for me, when I'm not writing, I turn into like a weirdo because I'm just like, I'm in here and I can't get it out. (laughs) And I need to, I need to get it onto the page or I just get really like restless and it's weird. Um, But so what that looks like for me is I set aside time Monday, Thursday, Friday in the evenings, and then Saturday mornings are like my writing times. And uh, I've kind of trained myself into this weird, almost like Pavlovian dog response about it, where I have like rituals that it's like, this is in my writing brain time. So I make Dragon Well tea. It's really good. Recommend it. Uh, You know, go to the bathroom, get water. I usually have like a billion liquids accessible to me and then I actually bought these super adorable kitchen timers they're very very cute and so I have one that's like this is my this is my writing timer um I use the other ones for other things because <laughs> I had to justify it so I'm like this the fox timer is on for 20 minutes and just you have to work on it for 20 minutes this is not check social time this is not text your friends time this is writing time. And as long as I hear that ticking, I'm like, okay, this is writing time. And usually that gives me enough oomph to get over that initial hurdle. Uh, And then at that point, I just keep 20 minutes at a time until I'm done. I don't really take breaks. I just keep going. Uh, And if I do that successfully, I can usually get, you know, two, three hours at a time, depending on how it goes. If it's just a really bad day and it's just really not working. Eventually I might call it quits, but you know, I have to try first. <laughs> I'm not allowed to just be like, I don't feel like it. And I'm not, you know, I slip up about it. Um, especially in Wisconsin in the summer when it's like precious heat and sunlight. <laughs> uh, you know, it's harder to say no to people when it's a limited time frame. And I've just gotten used to the dark and icky seasons in Wisconsin are my most productive times. And then summer, I'm a little bit more lax about it and that's fine. But that's typically how I do it. If I have inspiration, I might work on it other times. If I have deadlines, um, when I was doing copy editing for Yoke Knees, it was like 60 hour weeks. <laughs> Day job, copy edit for four hours at a time. Totally screw up my shoulders. <laughs> not not fun. Learned that lesson. Give myself more time for that next time. But so it goes. <laughs> wow. Um, it sounds to me like again you 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 want you knew you wanted to do this at a young age, but there was a point where you needed to like take your craft seriously. Um, it's like, if you actually want this, you're going to have to make some sacrifices and say no. Um, I also love that you used embarrassment as like a positive. (laughs) 
I kind of love that because no one wants to be embarrassed, but if you use that as a form of pressure and structure, um, that's awesome. I've definitely done that <laughs> before. I mean, if I say that I'm going to do something and you know I don't do it, that's embarrassing. And so I might as well use that to my own benefit. Um, it's really cool. And then I freaking love the timer thing. There's something so simple about that that I love. Uh, there's nothing like having a ticking going on and, and seeing, you know, having the Pavlovian cycle of like sitting down, having all your, your ritual, your liquids, your tea, turning that dial and, and your whole system just knows what state to get in. That's really cool. Yeah, for sure. I love that. Yeah. I think any, anytime you have a, a timed structure, it's so helpful. It's just so helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And keeping the days consistent is helpful for me too. And trying not to miss days because Mm -hmm. when I'm doing it consistently, I feel that my progress just goes so much faster because my subconscious is constantly chewing on it that, you know, it's just a lot more forward in my brain. It's a lot more shower thought inspiration for me. If I'm skipping days or if I fall out of the habit, it's it's really hard to, to get it back and get back into the story, especially with something that's as long form as a novel where, and especially the project I'm working on is kind of now is it's newer to me, you know, by the time I was done with the opening, I was like, I know this book like inside out, but the one I'm working on now, I'm like, wait, what did I, <laughs> what did they do? Who are these people? So it, you know, being, being in it consistently days wise is, is helpful too. Yeah. How was the newsletter going and when did you start that up? Yeah. Yeah. Um, m- mixed, <laughs> Mixed results, I think. (laughs) So I think, yeah, I started it around like leading up to the book launch probably or somewhere around the time that it launched. Um, I've had blogs in the past kind of on and off, but this was my first newsletter. Mm -hmm. And I've, I've actually just recently changed the format. Actually, actually somewhat inspired by you, Miles. Uh, because I feel like when it came out, it was this, you have to give updates on the project. And it became very, very quickly crushing to me. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm not writing fast enough. I don't have updates or else I have too many updates. And I don't want it to be long because I want to respect people's time. And so it just became a very, like, icky, here's what I'm doing vibe mm-hmm. that I did not like. <laughs> it was yeah. very icky to me. And so I just recently was like, I'm not going to do that anymore. And so now I'm kind of trying to switch more to like, let's have just a community of people who are interested in telling stories that are pointing to more positive things and not like in cynicism and power scales and things like that. Um, and, and if they're not into that story, but they still want to hear from me, like, that's great. You know, more, more blessings to them. That's rad. Um, but kind of, and so now I'm kind of taking a little bit more of approach of here's a thing that I'm experiencing on my writing journey or thinking about as a writer. Like here, I'm noticing that I use a lot more like influences in my writing in this particular work than other ones. So what are things that influence you? You know, it's just kind of more talking to people instead of talking at them. 
So that's been a good switch. I'm also being a little bit less stringent with myself of like, you have to get this out every other week. Um, sometimes because it's inconvenient if it's like, oh, well, it goes on sale next week for like three days. They're never, they're never going to remember that. So it's helpful to just adjust for that if it is a case where I am promoting something. But also I'm just like, I don't, I don't have the energy. <laughs> I, I, have, I, uh, I consider it a blessing of mine that I can do very limited things because it really makes me take care in the things that I do. I'm very like, I'm either 0% invested in this thing or I am 120% invested and there's no in between for me. So it's, it's definitely something where I was like, I'm not able to actually work on my book because I'm spending so much time thinking about newsletters and blogs to write and then having to take the time to write a blog. I'm not a fast blog writer. And so I was just like, I can't write the book fast enough to give good updates because I'm constantly writing updates for the book. I don't have time to write. So it's like, that doesn't work. So yeah. And it's a lot easier. It's much easier for me to be able to write a newsletter. That's just like, Hey, what do you think about this? (laughs) Then like, Hey, you should check out this thing that I did that I'm really proud of. Even if I am, I am really proud of it, but (laughs) (laughs) tedious over time. I love that. Yeah, it, uh, it's a big difference, you know. I think coming from the the music uh, world, if you go and you look at most of the newsletters that musicians send out, it's 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 really just, "Hi, here's what I'm doing. Here's where you can come see me. Here's my record, whatever." And it's so boring. It's awful, you know. I mean, even even if you're interested, at some point, it's like, "Yeah, I don't I don't care. Um, give yeah. me something else." So it's so much nicer to hear, you know, tell me something, you know, <laughs> tell me anything, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Talk to me. Yeah. It's cool. Yes. Good switch. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Nice <laughs> adjustment. Um, it's good to, to adapt like that. Um, and you don't need to, you know, I'm always trying to question, I've gotten better at this, like questioning why I even do something. Um, and then like you get to make it, you know, there's no rules, it's, which yeah. is good and bad. Like Bill, Bill jokes a lot. We kind of have newsletters that are weekly-ish. You know, I, I will miss a week every now and then for whatever reason. Um, and that's okay. It's all good. <laughs> like the, yeah, I, I literally put weekly-ish in the description <laughs> because I, I, I don't want to set myself up for, you know, failure. I mean, I want to have appropriate expectations. Every now and again, you're not going to hear from me. You're just not. Yeah. And I think with email specifically, people just, it's that spotlight effect where it's like, oh, no, if I miss, and I'm like, oh, "Oh, hey, an email from Miles. That's great. I don't don't care when it shows up. I'm like, oh, cool, that guy. Nobody's keeping track that much. I think the only time I notice that is I'm on one or two things that are either daily you know, like I get a daily email from somewhere and when they stop, I'm like, what happened? Mm-hmm. Where'd it go? You know, did I miss mm-hmm. it? <laughs> but weekly stuff, not really. Kudos to you. I, I cannot do weekly newsletters. Just immediately get overwhelmed. I'm like, ah, just kidding. Bye. Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes I can't either. Hence why we call it weekly-ish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for me, that is like, you you right. You're right. I 
do the newsletter basically to force myself to write. And that is my writing. Um, so it's a little different in that sense uh, where I look forward to sitting down and coming up with something or taking something from the week and ex- extrapolating that through a newsletter and hopefully a few people um, agree or resonate or enjoy it. So I think newsletters are awesome. I'm a big fan and uh, it's a cool way to connect other than social media, which I have a love-hate relationship with, which brings me to, I'd like to ask you how your relationship is with the socials. Yeah, unhealthy. (laughs) (laughs) Real real bad. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, it's, I... Yeah, I left social media entirely maybe like four years ago. And then when the book came around, I kind of got back on. I find it very easily overwhelming. I find it very easy for me to be comparing myself to other people. I was, I was recently had entered into this contest and I, I lost, which has been most of my contest experience, which is fine. And I like saw the winner was like, hey, yay, I'm, I'm, or like I'm one step closer. And I was just gutted for like the rest of the night. I was like, Abby, like you should buy that book. That would be good for you to like fight that instinct. And I still need to, I need, this is my being accountable. I got to buy that book. It looks good. (laughs) So, So it's like that kind of reaction is very easy in me. And then I also just feel like social media is weird. Like it's weird to be like, here's, here's just a casual observation and then have a bunch of people (laughs) jump on you and like strangers out of nowhere, or you're having a conversation with someone you do know. And some stranger just barrels in out of nowhere, creates havoc. I'm like, what is this? So it's a very weird space. Um, I also, I really value nuance in conversation, I want to be able to pick apart, like, what do you mean by integration versus white space versus what, that's an email chain with me and Miles. (laughs) You know, like, what does that actually mean to you? And I feel like when you throw out something on Twitter, it's so easy for, you don't, you don't have the character count to explain what you actually mean. And I find that annoying. (laughs) So I'm like, I feel like I can't accurately convey what I want to convey to have the depth of conversation I want to have. So I just, and then I'm going to potentially have like some random stranger yell at me when that's not even what I meant in the first place. Um, Which, you know, some people are really good at it and it is a skill and I really, you know, power to them. I admire that. You know, I also don't really have the visual eyes, so I can't like Insta is just (laughs) a non-starter for me. Um, so I think for me, it's kind of just like, I no, just email me. Because if you're, if you're just a random person who hates my opinion on the internet, if you take the effort to email me about it, like that means you have opinions <laughs> and are like, we can talk about it, right? Because you cared enough to actually email me about this. Whereas if you're just blasting somebody on social, it's like, do you, how much do you really care? Like, I don't know. Maybe you don't really care or maybe you do, but you don't care enough to seek it out on a deeper level um, to, to figure out what's really underneath. So I'm just like, I'll, I'll just do email. <laughs> I might poke around on occasion, technically on Twitter. And, uh. <laughs> yeah, it's a it's an odd landscape, constantly evolving. And it's, it is a game and it's inherently not bad, but it can be 
especially the comparison thing is probably my biggest like gripe with it, but that's on me, you know? It's like you're just shown the highlights of everyone's work and life and all these success stories. Like rarely are you shown the true true, you know, the the the, the most transparent uh, vulnerable moments, which may be more helpful at sometimes sometimes to see and more motivating. Well, and I notice sometimes when people post their tragedies on there or post somebody else's tragedies, there's a part of me that's like, I don't want to see that, you know. <laughs> so there's that too. It's like which, you know, there's not there's not that full breadth of who a person is. I think it's interesting. It's an interesting way to stay connected with people you already know. You know what I mean? Like I remember even when it, uh, I'm a little older than you two, when it first came out, uh, there are a lot of people I went to high school with. I haven't lived in the town I went to high school in in a really long time. And I could, I could kind of reconnect in a way, in an easy way with a bunch of those people and we can all see what everybody's up to. And that's kind of fun, right? But, much beyond that, <laughs> it gets it it can get really sticky and weird, you know. I noticed that my I think it's the only reason I can stay on it, my feeds are so highly curated. You know, like I just don't have, you know, this may be wrong, but I don't have people on my feed that are gonna say weird stuff to me. I just don't. And if I do, they they're not around very long because that's, I got no interest in that. None. Not going to argue with you on Facebook. Yeah. Not going to do I it. Am a, I am a delicate <laughs> emotional flower. So if a stranger ever came at me, I would just be like, what did I do to this person? Like I, I would not, I can't, I can't with that. I'm so anti, anti-confrontation. Yeah, I, it's, I can't. <laughs> so I'm curious, you know, you have a, job and then you write i'm not going to say on the side but you write after your job and i'm curious you probably use a lot you strike me as someone that like you said you go all in you probably use a lot of energy especially min, you know mental energy how do you recharge yeah yeah so that's part of why i don't do writing every night so I have Tuesday, I have like a standing hangout time uh, with the friend, my pirate crew, as we are colloquially known just between us. <laughs> what, what do you mean standing? I'm curious. So, so every Tuesday we're like, okay, we're just going to hang out. So we, uh, we go over to my friend's house and we just like watch anime. <laughs> and that's, so like, that's like a reach. And I mean, oh. obviously we like, Talk to you, each other, I but thought, it's like a standing appointment of like. I not, thought you meant you're like actually standing. standing. <laughs> no, 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 just I in see. my calendar, it is a standing. I just pictured standing, you guys uh, appointment. hanging out in a room, just standing, all standing yeah. with no chairs. I'm like, in it. I'm like all right, with no chairs. That's unique. I like. That. I mean, it'd be probably probably really good for my back, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. No, no, it's a, a standing appointment in my in my calendar on Tuesdays. Um, you know, so that's good. Wednesday is kind of my free day to just hang out with family or, or what have you. Uh, and when I'm done with right, so I get done with work at 4.30 and usually I'll have like a little bit of transition time because I can't go from that straight into writing. 
but hopefully ideally I'm writing by five and then done sometime between like seven and eight. So usually after that, I'll maybe watch something. I try to read before I go to bed every night. I don't always do that or I just get really sleepy. (laughs) So I, but I, but I try that. Um, so that's most of how I, I recharge. I try to go for walks because that's good for me. I am a very sedentary person. It's an area of growth for me. Um, but yeah, most of it is just activities I enjoy. I mean, video gaming sometimes I'll just be like, oh, I'm just taking a day off. I'm just going to play this for like four hours or more if, if it's a weekend. Who knows? So yeah, usually usually just hobbies, engaging in hobbies trying to take take time to rest. I, I'm getting better at learning how to rest. I'm not good at relaxing. <laughs> so even if I take a vacation, I'm just like, okay, what I need to like plan this relaxation for optimum <laughs> recharge. And I'm like, that's no, just, just just do the vacation. You don't need to do that, Abby. So I'm that's like an area of growth for me is learning how to kind of shut shut things off in the brain to just separate activities. Um, that's, I don't, I try not to like mix things too much. So it's not like I'll be writing and hanging out with friends, like at the same, like I have to separate those. Um, yeah, I'm not very good at that kind of multitasking thing. Same. <laughs> well, that's good. Cause there's no such thing as multitasking anyway. So true. It's true. It's okay. That is true. Um, did you self publish your book? I did. Yes. Uh, what was that process like for you? Oh, you know, it's it was easier in some ways than I thought it would be. Um, so like I said, the copy editing took a long time. And some of that was because I was new. I was like, how much of this am I allowed to say no? And how much, like, am I going to offend the editor if I, you know. So I, I had to go through, like, different stages of editing, developmental editing, which is, like, high level, does the story work? Copy editing is just like, do these lines, word choices, do those work? And then proofreading is like just grammar. So I had to go through like different stages of that, um, which was kind of the biggest process was getting the book done. But then the self-publishing process was actually pretty easy. There's a few things that are, you just have to like look it up and learn. So Ingram Spark is a company that, that like Barnes & Noble and a lot of bigger booksellers use for distribution. So getting it onto Ingram Spark was kind of weird because they're like, here's categories to choose for from your book. We use it for this thing. And it's like, I don't know what that thing means. Can you tell me more? And they're like, nope, no, you just need to know. And I was like, okay. So some some of the like categorization on that was very like, uh, I'm gonna guess this. Or it's it's weird. Like a book like mine, I've had people as young as 10 who have just adored it. And I've had adults that just love it. So it's like a weird what category do you put it in? And especially when you're dealing with anything that's targeted even remotely towards kids, it's like, I don't know what youth today can handle in their content. You know, like I have, you know, a a nephew who's playing video games, you know, chopping things up all the time, but I'm like, can can he read about that? I I don't know. Like, where's the disconnect and how do you position it there? But the, the actual process itself is pretty easy. I was also very, fortunate um because my brother is an amazing illustrator he so he did the line art for the cover and then my dad was a graphic designer for 30 years <laughs> so he was like I can do the color and all of the layout um there's a really good program called vellum that I used for the interior but then 
dad was like, bleeds, trims, boom, bada boom. Like, <laughs> I got it for you. So that was that was very helpful. And Amazon does a good job being like, this is where the ISBN barcode goes. Don't put things here. They're like, don't put a border on it because if it's off kilter when it prints, that's bad. And I was like, I'm going to do it anyway because <laughs> I want one. <laughs> and now I just sell misprinted books for cheaper and call them books with character. <laughs> the inside's just as nice. So usually. <laughs> well, and so, speaking of selling yeah. books, um, <laughs> how did you and do you go about letting people know that you have said book and that they should read it? Yeah, yeah. So uh, eventually I would like to build up the newsletter because um, every, you know, they always say you can keep those people basically. Um, I've tried a few different things. Uh, like I said, I've entered a few contests, have been mostly unsuccessful in those, um, but partially successful in some of them. So that's been nice. Um, I didn't really bother a lot with Twitter. Like I've done a few things on Twitter, but it's didn't do anything and that's fine. Um, but a lot of where I've actually found success has been just going to events to sell books. Um, I find that I'm like a nice person to talk to. I'm very friendly. My retail experience was kind of like, I just, inst I'm really, I will instantly smile at like any person I see on the street. It's just like so deeply ingrained from the retail days. And so I'm like, I'm a nice person to talk to. I can, you know, I can kind of vibe with like where people are interest level and kind of on the fly pretty quickly be like, they're going to say no, or like I should pitch it this way. Or, you know, if they've got like a nerdy shirt on, you can be like, hello, good sir. I am also a fan of that nerd thing. Please come talk to me and buy my book, you know? <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> super natural way to approach it. It's very natural dialogue. You can tell I'm a writer. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, so I've actually found a lot of success with that um, other than at a book launch party when it came out. And of course, because everyone in, <laughs> everyone that knew me was like, oh, a decade later, it's happening. We should come. <laughs> so that was actually really nice. There's um, a park across the street from me and there's like a park shelter that's really nice. It's kind of semi-enclosed and has bathrooms and stuff like that. So I went there, rented it for like a hundred bucks for the whole day because I'm a resident. It was great. And then they had, I just got like a snow cone <laughs> truck to come because I was like, awesome. I don't have to clean anything. I don't have to figure out how many people are coming. I won't have leftovers. And who doesn't love snow cones? Just don't get them on the books. Um, <laughs> so that was, yeah, that was, that was great. Sold a lot of books there and then just showing up at events. What kind of events do you go to? Sure. So I had an event at a local Barnes and Noble recently. Uh, that was sweet. Not only were they like the nicest people and anytime anyone wasn't talking to me, like staff would just come talk to me. So I was never by myself, which was really nice. But so they that was like, your event. That was my event. So they were right. like, you get a table right here. We're putting you in front of the cafe. So anyone just hanging out has to go past you. You're at the intersection of like, young adult books and sci-fi and there's like D and D books and manga just like on tables around you. So it's just like the, the nerd hub and you're right there at like a T intersection. So they, that was a sweet hookup for, for uh, where they put me in the store. So that was like a really successful one I've done. Um, I've got one coming up. It's like a, it's like an art crawl in Waukesha, which is outside of Milwaukee. And so 
Waukesha is a, is a very artsy town. And so their local businesses and restaurants will just be like, Hey, you can, you're an artist. You can just sell things here for a, a day. <laughs> and so there's a, a really nice local bookstore there that usually authors will come to that, or there will be little book fairs, things like that. Um, I would like to go eventually to like some cons. There's a geek craft expo that comes through Madison every year that I could sell books at, but I'm kind of trying to figure out how much I want to invest when you have to buy a table and I only have one book and I'm like I'm pretty good at selling that one but it might be nice to try to get more books before I, I sink too much in that I'll be going to Houston hopefully next year for comic palooza so my friend Pat Daly sells books there and so he's just like no you have to come you just okay okay <laughs> okay Pat. no options yeah so hopefully I'll, I'll do that next year so I have two Random, quick, short questions. Please. First, have you thought about ever doing an audible version of this book? Yes. So I'm actually working with a friend of mine, um, Curtis White, and he is going to do my audiobook for me. It's really expensive if you're going through a lot of the programs that are out there or just renting recording space for yourself. Mm -hmm. Uh, So thankfully I have, my friend Curtis is really good. He has a lot of experience with AV type stuff. And I trust that he's, you know, he's a musician has been that way for a long time has done recordings before for other things. So I trust that he'll be able to do the editing and the voice acting for it. And since we're friends, like he, he like knows where the heart of the book is. So I don't have to spend a lot of time getting on the same page. So, uh, yeah, hopefully we'll be working towards that kind of next summer. He's a teacher. So this is like a busy time. So I need to get my full list of characters, get here's sample voices that I like. Here's what I like about the sample voices that would be helpful for translating into this person. I I annoyingly was like, okay, I need someone who can do a French accent, a like a teenage girl accent, and a giant dog boy accent. <laughs> so it was like, great. Yeah, and also there's like people find. that just sound like horses because they're centaurs. So they just have like a horse language. And I was like, good luck with that, Curtis. <laughs> have fun. So it's kind of hard to find reels that are that specific or even show yeah. the flexibility to be like, okay, they can do this, which means they can probably do that. So well, that is what I'm moving towards. Yes. That's awesome because I am a huge audible book fan, especially with um, fiction, like going to bed and stuff or just hanging out. Like it's really, it's one of my favorite things. So I'm excited for that. And I will definitely give it a listen once it's yeah, done. For sure. And then Second random question is what, how did the typo hunter wall of fame come to be? Yeah. Yeah. So the typo hunter wall of fame is basically just on my website. Anyone who sends me a typo, they find in the book just gets on the wall. And that really (laughs) just came from the fact that you you can never see all of the typos. Like it's just, you're not going to, it's Mm -hmm. impossible. And so because indie books, you can make changes very easily. It just seemed very natural to me to be like, because when I find typos, I'm like, I would like to tell this person, but also there's that, I don't want to be that person that's like, um, excuse me, that's you the wrong did, version of this. This is this sounds <laughs> oddly totally familiar. 
totally did that to you. I'm sorry. It's so, it's so good. It's like telling someone they have spinach in their teeth. Why would you right. not want Right. So that? I'm like, it's helpful. And so I kind of wanted to give people an incentive to do that. And then they get, uh, if you find one, you get an exclusive typo hunter sticker. They are very, very pretty. I haven't, uh, I have, I have the first ones, but I don't have the second ones finished yet, but hopefully someday you'll get some stickers as a thank you. Um, yeah, just because that's, so cool. that's so helpful to me. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it when people find typos cause I'm the worst proofreader in the world. It's hard, especially when it's you've been awful. staring at it for a while. I left an entire song off a record one time. Oh no. Oh. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's on the record, but if you look at the tr- track listing, it it's not oh. on there. And it, and the funny thing <laughs> it's is it's track four and I still call it a hidden track. Yeah, that's good. There's that's a awesome. hidden track. It's track four. Like well, that's that. you know, you can whatever. turn it into something fun, you know? Yeah. yeah, which is exactly what you did with this typo hunter. I've never seen that before. And that is like... Yeah, it's really good. I'm already trying to think about how I can do that. For yeah. my stuff. I love it. Fun fun fact, if you buy books from me now, they still have typos in them. And I um, do accept repeat typos. So I want a sticker. There you go. They're they're good stickers. Jeremy designed them. He's my the the cover artist designed them. They're very cool. Love it. Awesome. So you probably already know we ask everybody this question. And I may know the answer, but I want to hear you say it. Do you consider yourself more introverted or extroverted? A hard introvert, <laughs> hard, hard introvert. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love humans. I am, I am so infatuated with, with other human beings, big fan, but there's times where I'm just like, I love you. No one ever talked to me ever again. Uh, so yeah, that's can handle like two social it, things. It does seem week. like you can flip the switch though, you know, cause you talk about how you basically sell books by talking to people, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you've had retail jobs, et cetera. So there is a, a switch you can flip, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think introverts get like a bad rap of like socially incapable. And I, I don't <laughs> feel like it's not, it's not that I can't talk. Like, I love talking to people. I just can't do it for very long. Or like, yeah, if there's no. more than six people in the room, I'm like, I probably won't say anything unless I'm called upon to speak and that's fine, you know, but I, but like one-on-one, this is my, this is my jam. I could do this for quite a while before needing to say, don't ever talk to me again. (laughs) Yeah. I can agree with a lot of that. Um, Cool. Well, what's next? Are you going to write, are you writing, currently writing new stuff or are you just focusing on selling this one and what is going, what's happening in the future? Do you have some ideas of, of new stuff? Oh yeah. Yeah. I got, I got plans. Um, <laughs> yeah, you have to, you have to sell, you have to make like seven or more books before you can really make money is the, is the somewhat possible myth in indie publishing. There are people who do it with less. Um, but yeah, so I want to get more out there. So I'm currently working on, what I'm thinking will be a five book series. I've never done a series before. So that's scary. I thought it was going to be three. And then my friend Kristen was like, you could write more. And I was like, I hate you. I could totally write more. (laughs) So (laughs) she's, she's the worst and also the best. I love her. So, (laughs) so yes, possibly five book series, very different from uh, the Yokonese. I targeted a little bit older, kind of more, 
I'm calling it like an industrial punk setting because it's kind of like steampunk vibes, but steam isn't their power source. So eh, eh, take that for what you will. Um, yeah, so my goal, I'm putting my goal out into the universe, so I look like a ding dong if I don't do it, is to have the rough drafts of the first three done by the end of the year. I am currently very early in the second one, so that is very tight. But I'm going to do National Novel Writing Month in November. 50,000 words in November. So that's a lofty goal, but I'm going to shoot for it and hopefully at least get closer. And it's it's nice that Yokni took like three years of dedicated work and the first one in this series is already like way farther than Yokni was for a really long time. One year in, so I'm getting a little faster, which is which is another goal just to be able to get them out more consistently and faster and get get a bit more of a backlog catalog built up for readers so they can find one and then read many <laughs> That's <laughs> instead really, of dead ending one. <laughs> <laughs> that's really exciting. And I would imagine with novel writing, there's a steep, like once you get the first one, the second one done, there's like a steep increase in, you know, you know what, you know, the ins and outs, you know, the structure you need, the habits you need, how to, schedule the writing in your you know your expectations are realistic like everything just kind of goes faster because you've done it the muscle is stronger so um and congrats on already writing one the the first one of the of the series and oh this is the the opening is a standalone sorry (laughs) right but yeah didn't you say you're of of my of my career yes of the series you have uh the five five book series and you wrote the first one right Yes, yes. And then now you're on to the second one. You got to celebrate that. I mean, that's, you kind of glossed over that. And I was like, that's a big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I just just finished like the second draft of it, a one and a half draft of it uh, the other day so I could finally move forward. So yes, I'm finally understanding my world better, liking the characters in it better. So that's always a big plus. That's awesome. Well, I hope that uh, in the future, when you are uh, booked at uh, Comic-Cons and uh, other things all around the country, that you'll still have time to come back and tell us, you know, how that five-book series went and, uh, and what your world looks like then. Yes, absolutely. Anytime you want me back, I'll come running. You guys are great. I This really changed my life with marketing to find you guys uh, really helped me have a healthier relationship with it and not be so stressed about it. So you guys are That's the great. best and keep doing what you're doing. Awesome. Thank you, Thanks, Abby. Abby. The world is overwhelming. We're constantly being pulled in a million directions and it's only going to get worse. So much of what we're sold online is about planning, strategizing, and thinking. But doing is the hardest and most important part. The box is where projects get finished. In the box, you'll organize, prioritize your projects, and finish what you start. You won't learn anything new. You'll simply get a lot done and be a part of a small community of doers. Go to theboxworkshop.com. Thanks for listening today. We can't do this without the support of our listeners. So please leave us a review 
or sign up for our newsletter at subtleartofnotyelling.com. <laughs>